you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. been good. So good, so good. Remain standing with me for a moment tonight. On a short notice, just a couple nights ago, I asked my friend, Brother John Reading, to come and preach. And uh, as always, he said, absolutely, I'll be there. And we're so honored. We love the readings around here, don't we? There's loves brother and sister reading and their family so very much. We want him to come tonight and open his heart. How many of you are going to preach with the preacher tonight? Open your heart. Let's receive the word of the Lord. We love you. Hallelujah. Isn't God good to give us so many blessings? Undeserving, that's what we are. But I'm grateful today that his goodness and his gifts to us are not by our merit. Amen. But what he did for us on Calvary, we could never deserve. Amen. We could never earn, but it was freely given. Amen. Here in a few weeks, we're going to be opening presents, and maybe somebody's going to be uh, wondrously surprised. And somebody may be surprised, but not so wonderfully. Kind of like that. Oh, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. One year, my wife, we were expecting, and she had had a few procedures. And she said, you know, um, you're going to have to do all the Christmas shopping this year. And that included my stuff. And I got everything I'd been wanting. <laughs> I, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. And you know what? I took almost every bit of it back. Because there was just something about opening the anticipation. The anticipation was greater than the reality. And sometimes, you know, we can be disappointed even if we get exactly what we want. But what Jesus has given me has never disappointed. I've yet to reach the end of its greatness, continually amazed and awe and and wonder at his goodness and gifts towards us. And so tonight my heart says thank you. I'm thankful to be here, thankful to be with friends, thankful to be with a wonderful church. Most of all, thankful to be in the presence of a mighty God. 
Turning with me to Ezekiel chapter 37 and 1. Now, I'm going to read a more lengthy passage here just for a moment. And uh, maybe if I read a little longer, I'll preach shorter. We'll see if that works. Is that all right? Now, y'all, are you here to have some fun? Are you here to just let God be God? And I, You know, I believe that somebody is in the middle of a miracle. Mm. You see, sometimes we either see miracles as they're going to happen or they have happened, but I've become convinced it's possible to be in the middle of your miracle. And I wonder if somebody would wake up and realize that I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I'm going to be. That must mean something is happening in my life that I cannot. I wish somebody would realize you're in the middle of your miracle. You're not, hmm, you're not where you want to be yet. Yet, 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 yet. But you're not where you used to be. And that's enough for me to thank God and say thank you for working on me, working in me, working through me, working for me. Because when he begins to work, he finishes everything he begins. He's the author and the finisher, the beginning and the end. Amen. So if you're in the middle of your miracle, you know there's an interesting thing in the tunnel that Hezekiah had carved out of the rock to bring the living waters, amen, to the king's garden. There's an inscription on the wall of that tunnel in the middle of the mountain. Those who were carving on the side of the city of Jerusalem said, We heard a sound. They're digging, and they heard a sound. The inscription goes on to describe that it was the sound of those who were on the other side of the mountain that was digging toward them. And underneath the mountain, in the middle of the miracle, Amen. They heard a sound that somebody was coming their way. Let me tell you something. It was just three feet away, they said, and they carved it in that stone to be memorialized forever. And you can go to that point and you can put your fingers in those etchings on those stones. And somebody who thought they were a long way from victory come to understand just a few feet away, there's somebody coming my way. I need somebody to hear this right now because there's a mountain that stands before you. You can't go over it. You can't go around it. You can't seem to go under it. But there's somebody on the other side of your sickness. There's somebody on the other side of your situation. He knows what it's going to feel like for you to feel whole, for you to be well, for you to be blessed. He knows what the other side of your miracle looks like. And he said, I'm coming to where you are, and I'm just a few feet away. I wonder if you could wake up and realize your miracle's not as far away as you think it is. Ah, when I couldn't get to him, he came to where I was. He's on the other side of the mountain that's before me, but my miracle. Mm. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 37, 1 says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. Carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley that was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. Set me down in the midst of the bones. Carried me 
um, let me back up here, calls me to pass them round about. And behold, there were many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And again, he said unto me, prophesy, prophesy, speak with inspiration upon these bones. And say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and bring up flesh upon you, and will cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, I feel tonight that God has given me something for somebody in this house, but it's not going to be the end of the sermon. But if you will receive what God is doing for you, amen, as you hear it, as you believe it, as you get a hold of it, somebody's got to come out of that place and get a grip on God's word and say, it's for me. Tonight, in this moment, in my situation, and as. As I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up on them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. See, sometimes when you're in the middle of your miracle, you see that it's not quite yet done. You feel like God gave up, forsook, and walked away. It's not the end of the story. Then said he, Unto me, prophesy to the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. I want to draw your attention to verse 2. There were many bones in that open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Very dry. You may be seated. I'm going to talk to you. I just wish I could come up with a catchy title, but I'm going to talk to you today about dry bones. Amen. Dry bones. The prophet Ezekiel, in this passage was speaking, historically we understand, to the Jewish exiles in Babylon, taken captive and being held in a strange land by King Nebuchadnezzar. It is of this time that they would sing, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? We have hanged up our harps upon the willows by the river and we have given up. They lamented, they wept, and they were a broken people. They were devastated by their captivity. They were utterly crushed in their spirit. They were defeated. 
They were discouraged. They were ashamed. They were embarrassed. They were lost. They were disoriented. And literally, they were scattered. The princes and the prizes of the people were taken to be used in the government of their captors and those who offered really nothing. They were just the fodder. They, they were scattered abroad. Even Scripture simply calls them the remnant. And so it is in this, this broken-hearted and broken-spirited position that Ezekiel comes on the scene and began to prophesy. We understand the prophets of this era had an, in, an interesting task before them because this captivity was to be for a prescribed time. And uh, there was a beginning and there was an end that God had in mind. But in the middle, there were words that were to come from God. I, I just can't get away from this. Amen. While we are in the middle, the word of God still comes to us. Because he does not dwell in our situation. He does not live in this thing we call time. He is the same, we say, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Because time exists by the rotation and the revolution of this earth around the sun as we know it, and all of these things he spoke into existence. Amen. He does not dwell in time. Time dwells in him. And so it is that he sees not the box that we are in, but he sees the fulfillment thereof. He speaks of things that are not as though they were. He knows the end from the beginning. It is we, it is you and myself that are hung up on this thing called yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We live in the boundaries of this box and we have our hope and our defeat dependent upon the moment in which we live. We project what has happened to us in the past upon our future. We project the pain of our present upon our future. And we have the enemy who is whispering into our ear that all that we have ever known is going to fall upon us in our tomorrows. Yet we've already said he does not even know his own future. How in the world could he know ours? When you feel that pain and you feel you've got the same heart condition that took your grandfather, your grandmother, when you feel that place of soreness and you feel like you've got the same cancer that took your mother or your father, that is fear that is projecting your past upon your present and your future. And fear does not know what tomorrow holds. For the Bible says, if they had known it, the princes of this world would not have crucified the Lord. Doubt 
fear and, and, and all of these things that rail against our minds cannot tell you what is about to happen to you. All they can do is take the fears of your yesterdays and compound them and project them on your tomorrow. But it's merely an image of your past. It's not the reality of your future. Somebody needs to wake up and tell the devil and doubt and discouragement, you don't know how close I am to my healing. You don't know how close I am to my health. You don't know how close I am to my blessing. But I've got a God that is ever present, not just at the beginning and not just at the end, but he is here in the middle of my miracle. Even though various times of these prophecies in this season of captivity, there was a prescribed time in their future that they were going to escape the clutches of their enemy. It was not yet. It was not yet. This passage that we have, that Ezekiel has this vision of a valley of dry bones that I've read to you, whether it was something that was projected into his mind mentally, whether it was a vision that he saw with physical eyes or spiritual, whether the Lord literally translated him to this place for this imagery, what we do understand is that this is a visualization for the prophet of what God was doing in the reality around them. It was the visualization of a hopeful promise. You see, the chapters and verses that we have in our Bible was not how this was written. And so this is upon the back of the prior verses in which the Lord has just told them that the land that was desolate is about to become like the Garden of Eden. That the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that which was desolate. And if he needs to be emphatic, he will. For he says, I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. In other words, the promise had come forth of what he was about to do in their desolation and what the future would become. Yet because of their circumstance, it was hard to embrace the promise. And so the Lord says, let me show you something. So, Ezekiel says, the Lord's hand was upon me. And he took me to a place and carried me there in the spirit. Set me down in a valley that was full of bones. I don't know about you, that creeped me out. I think God sometimes watches like, well, you think about this. If you don't believe me, look at the verbiage between him and Ezekiel. What do you think, Ezekiel? Can these bones live? I like the fact that the prophet was about as human as I am. 
I don't know. Let me tell somebody, it's okay to not know the answers. It's okay to not have a positive spin on everything. We don't have to dwell and live in negativity. But reality is reality. There are times we just need to be honest. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know the answers to the questions that I'm facing. I don't understand the perplexity of the problems in which I'm dealing. But I know that you brought me to this place. I don't know what's going to happen from here, but I know how I got here and the one that brought me here and the one that put me here in a place that I don't understand what I see and what I'm facing and what I'm living. If you got me here, you can get me out of here because he who brought me is going to see me through. Somebody needs to stop focusing on the uncertainty of the situation before you and remember how you got where you are. Mm, He leadeth me. And so Ezekiel said, I don't know what's about to happen with these bones and what can happen. I, I don't know. But I, what I do know, what I do know is that the Lord brought me here in the Spirit. And so while I don't understand it, everything's going to be all right. I, I, I apologize for my redundancy, but somebody has got to reach out of that place you are and get a grip on the fact that the Spirit has walked with you into the valley. The Spirit has led you into the place of misunderstanding and and perplexity. The Spirit is the one who has walked you to this house today and His Spirit will not depart from us. And He said, I looked around at these bones and they were very dry. Now, 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 So many of you in this house tonight could come and take this microphone and you could tell the story as well as I. You could elaborate it on it with greater clarity and understanding than perhaps myself. But I'm not here to look at it at the overall. Sometimes we see this as just one great event. But I want to narrow our focus tonight. I want to to just... Zoom in, if you will, on one particular aspect of this story. There's so much here we could be talking about this all week long, but tonight I want to talk about dry bones. Dry bones. The Bible tells us that Ezekiel lets us know that these bones were very dry. He said, he calls me to pass around an open valley. This this place was open. It, it was vast as far as I could see. Contained within the walls of this canyon, there were bones. They were scattered about. We will know that later in the story when it talks about them coming together. The only way they could come together is 
as if somehow they had been scattered. They had been scattered maliciously. We understand that, but the Bible says they were dry bones. Oh, come on, somebody. That's what we're talking about tonight, dry bones. For the Bible lets us know in this, this, this story that these bones that were dry, they were dried by exposure. We're talking about a Mideastern region where the sun is brutal, where the winds are, are strong, where the elements of exposure have devastating effects. And so it would be that a body that is left out and exposed to the elements would not survive very long, but the flesh would rot away and everything would be consumed by the elements until finally the bones. But even though the bones would be the last thing to decompose, they would not resist the elements by themselves. But the effect of the wind and the drying effect, it would reach into the marrow of those bones. It would, it would, it would, it would work against the calcified structure of these bones. The sun would bleach them as wide as they could possibly be, but it would begin to erode their strength and weaken them, and they would be so terribly weathered by this point. The Bible lets us know that these bones once lived. These bones were once the part of bodies that were strengthened and able and capable, not just of moving about, not bones of someone who just sit back uh, in a calm way, in a calm fashion, but, but these bones were of a mighty army, and the Bible says that these bones, uh, they were slain slain. Amen. Uh, to, to understand what the context is giving us here, we are talking about bones that were brutally murdered, that were savagely killed. In other words, in battle, so they were strong bodies. They were capable warriors. They were able men, but, but something had happened to them. They were wounded beyond that which life could sustain, and they fell to the ground in their death. Maybe their swords, their spears, their instruments of war were found on the ground around them. But as far as you could see, as far as you could find, this was the evidence of victims of a horrible death. Just wasn't bones, but they died a horrific death. They died a death that was uh, uh, painful. They died a death. Uh, they didn't just stumble somewhere and fall over and die, but, but they no longer were able to serve their purpose. I want to talk to you for a minute, amen, as one who has broken many bones. The doctors tell us our bones are stronger because where they have been broken, but anybody with any medical understanding would tell you that the strength that is required of your skeletal structure to maintain the posture of your body would be degraded because of of uh, the uh, because of the conditions in which these bones were now found, you see, you see, it might be possible for some great miraculous occurrence to bring these bones together and cause them to come back 
together. And if that miracle should be particularly stupendous, then maybe the flesh could cover them again. And they could once again have the form of humanity. Maybe if that miracle should go beyond imagination, then life would return to those forms and they could be living structures. But here's what I know, that those bones in their deteriorated condition, they could not be the structure that they had been to the body before because it's the bones of the body that keep the organs where they're supposed to be. It's the bones of the body that the the, the tissues attach themselves, sinews and tendons and other elements bind themselves to the bones, the muscles use the bones. You see, it is the framework of the body, the skeletal system. And so, ah, death mocked this valley and said, even if a miracle should come your way, and even if you should return to some shadow of your former state, you can't walk and you certainly can't war. The only thing you might be able to do is exist. And I'm preaching to somebody today that has been wounded, that has been hurt, that has been broken, that has been, oh Jesus help me, because I believe God sent me to preach to somebody that you got the scars of malicious death in your spirit, in your mind, in your psyche and upon your soul. You were hurt by those who were meant to help. You were wounded by those who were meant to nurture. You were broken by those who were meant to grow you. And today, you live in a place of fragility. You will never become the father you're supposed to be. You will never be the mom you were meant to be. You will never be the husband, never be the wife, never be the minister, never be the person that God called you to be because of the wounds that have been afflicted upon you long, long, long time ago. Talking to broken people. Talking about those who were devastated. Talking about people who were crushed. Talking about people who were defeated, embarrassed, and ashamed. Talking about people who feel lost in a crowd. Who feel scattered in the house of God, who feel disoriented in the middle of a service like this, everybody else getting a praise on, and your mind is wandering, and your spirit is tormented. I'm not here to put further guilt upon you or bring you greater despair. This preacher is coming into a pit of, of, of despair. This preacher is walking to a place, amen, where there is nothing but the evidence of the, the wounds and the afflictions that have come upon you. And I've come to tell you that God is able to do a miracle even unto dry bones. There's a whole lot of the body that we could talk about today. Anatomically, there are so many parts, members, and functions, and yet it's the bones. 
because these bones provide the strength, the structure, and the ability to perform, stand, and the capability of movement. And I've come to tell you that the enemy, his intention is to stifle all of these things in your life, to park you on a pew, and just to tell you, hold on until Jesus comes. And if you get lucky and he comes on the right day and your spirit happens to be in the right place, you might get lucky and go with him. And you're holding on to hope just to barely make it to the other side. But the Lord says he's come to where you are in the midst of your miracle because the bones did not know what had come into their midst. Tonight, when you look at that that balance of the checkbook and you say there is no way out of our predicament, when you look at the doctor's diagnosis and you say there is no way out of my situation, when you read the letter from that loved one who is turned into another person that you don't know and you say there is no way out of the mess that we have come. When you have the reoccurring flashbacks of the things that you saw so many years ago that have left their dirty handprint upon your life, your mind, and your emotions till you feel like you're ruining everything that you have now and you don't feel like you will ever become more or be able to go above what has happened to you. I've come to preach to you that you are in the middle of your miracle because he has come, amen, not to the well. He didn't come to the healthy. He didn't come to the whole. If you don't believe me, read it for yourself. But he said, I came to the sick. I come to the hurting. I come to the wounded. And I come to those that need a healer. Oh, Jesus, help me. He did not come to the religious zealots of his day. He didn't come to those who knew the Bible backwards and forward to argue and debate in the temple. He came, if you will notice, he taught and he healed. He taught and he healed. He's not ashamed of our wounds. He's not embarrassed of our brokenness. He has come to heal. I got to know a whole nother half of this message, but I can't seem to get past this point. And I believe, amen, that a message of hope deserves equal time to the voice that has pushed you down, that has obliterated all sense of hope in your spirit. Amen. Can I remind you, you wouldn't be here tonight if the spirit didn't draw you here. No man cometh unto the Father unless he is drawn. The Spirit has brought you here. God has you here strategically, on purpose. You're not an accident. You're not accidentally in the house of God. You're not accidentally in church tonight. You're not accidentally where the Spirit of God is moving. You're not accidentally at the cross where the blood of Jesus Christ can heal and mend and fix and do a miracle tonight. 
tonight in your spirit. You're not here accidentally, but I believe somebody needs to come to the awareness and to the conclusion that he's not done. He's not just going to sit you on a pew as a Pentecostal mannequin and say, you just dress right, look right, and don't open your mouth too much and let people know what's on the inside and you'll be all right. Keep faking it till you make it. No, my God says, I've got purpose for you to live again. What interesting word, dry, D-R-Y. Particular one doesn't show up a whole lot in the Bible, but one notable time it does. Job. Anybody familiar with Job and his afflictions? Everything he had and the blessings were taken from him until his friends turned on him. And even his wife, Job, why don't you curse God and die? We don't altogether know her motives. Much speculation has been made about them. But one thing we do know, he was a man most miserable. And he began to describe situation. We understand one of the words that is used in the book of Job, amen, to describe his precarious place was that of dryness. In other words, he literally compared his condition to the fragility of dried leaves. Almost brought me a bag of leaves. I've got plenty of them. You just look at me. Do I look like the guy that's out there raking three times a week? I got most of our leaves to the curb and then that one contrary tree decided to drop the rest of them after I'd done most of the yard. So I've got dry leaves, crunchy leaves. In the summer, they can withstand the storm, the winds that blow them, curl them, but they rebound and take their shape. 50, 60 mile an hour winds came through, and the leaves were blown and they were turned. They turned their back to the wind, and yet, a few days later, the sun was out and they had resumed their position. The flexibility allowed them to drift with the gentle breeze because they were connected and alive. But you detach that leaf from the source of life and let it fall to the ground and it will look all right for a little while. But you let it lay on the ground long enough and the deadness within it will begin to be exposed in its appearance. And that leaf that was supple and, 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 and it, was, it, was, it was so moldable and shaped and, and, and suddenly it becomes brittle and stiff and dry until if you take it in your hand, you could ball it up when it was attached to the tree and release it and it would spring back to its shape. But now if you hold it in your hand and you put it in your when you open up just a bunch of dust and just 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 the leftovers and that those little pieces will fall out and scatter all over the ground some of us looked all right for a while we were able to hide our wounds for a season for a while nobody knew how hurt we were for a while nobody knew just what was wrong with us but time will always show just how broken we are and now we're not fooling nobody amen and what we once could absorb 
absorb and what we once could take and we could bounce back. Now we have no flexibility. Now we have no ability to come back to our former self. We're just dry. And Job said, I am dry and brittle like the leaves. If he says, do you really want to know how I am? Look at the dried leaves that are adorning your lawn. Step upon them and watch them fall to pieces and that will tell you who and what I am. And that is the same word that Ezekiel uses to describe these bones. They're weak. They're brittle. They cannot hold their weight. They cannot. Oh, come on. I'm preaching to somebody. You want to teach again. You want to preach again. You want to lead again. You want to work again. You want to be used again. But sin and life and situations and choices that you have made have brought you to a place that you can't do what God called you to do. You can't be what God called you to be. And tonight in shame you sit back and say, I will never be again what God made me. But oh, I'm glad that the story doesn't stop there because God dropped a prophet in the middle of the valley. Amen. It wasn't the man because the man himself said, I don't know. Preacher, can I live again? Preacher, will I ever get over this? Preacher, will I ever be able? I don't know. But I know the one who has. And I know God sent me to tell you that he's about to do something. I don't know. I don't know. But I know who does. And he said, go tell them. Go tell them. They're in the middle of a miracle they don't even know is happening. You're in the middle of a miracle and you didn't even know it had started. Don't believe me. Wife can tell you about six to eight weeks ago. I was in a place of prayer. I couldn't pray. We live next to our church. We have people come to church day and night. I had to pray about some things. But if I was in the prayer room or even my office, it ain't soundproofed enough. But God, I don't want some precious dear saint to walk into the restroom near next to my office and hear Brother Reedy groaning in his spirit about some things. Can I just take my time? And so I went to the church. I couldn't get, couldn't get my liberty to pray like I needed to pray. I, where do I go? Where do I go? I got my car and started to drive, and I realized, ain't nobody can hear me here. <laughs> so I began to pray, sitting in my driveway, and I began to pray, God, and the situations begin to pour out of my spirit. You gotta help us. You gotta, and I want to tell you, God has miraculously worked in multiple situations in our life that I was presenting to him in that season and in that moment. But in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of that, begin to pray. And the Bible says, pray and blessings upon your enemies. Pray blessings upon those who despitefully use you. And I began to pray for those situations that were dark and desperate. I began to pray for situations, amen, that, 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 that were beyond. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to correct these things. I don't know how to get past these. I don't know how to get the church through. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But as I began to pray, God spoke this verse and this, this, this scenario into my spirit. 
and he let me see dry bones <laughs> that could not support. He let me see people who could not stand on their own anymore because when they put the weight of their body on their bones, the bones disintegrated and they fell to the ground just like the crushed leaves in just a pile of ashes. And he said, that was the bones. Not only did I put flesh and sinew and tissue upon their bones, but I reconstituted the bones themselves. Is it a hard thing for God, if he can put skin on the bones, to look into that weakened structure and say, be the best you've ever been before? And as God began to open my understanding to what he meant and why he kept talking about bones and dry bones and bones that were very dry, he was trying to paint a picture that not only did he put the skin upon them and the hair and the flesh and everything else and the breath in their lungs, but he made them able to do everything they had done before. And God began to give me specific instances in my life where there were those who was he was going to reconstitute their structure, their integrity, their ability to stand, their ability to become. And I don't see it. I'm still in the middle of some of those miracles. But one thing he told me, you're going to preach this to Frankfurt Church because there's somebody Eight weeks ago, Brother Jordan, God said, go preach this to that church because there's somebody that needs to know you're not what you're going to be forever. But God is doing a work in the very depth of your bones. God is doing something in your structure. God is, mm, you can't stand, not by yourself, not according to your own ability, not on your talent, not on your personality, not on your capabilities, but God is is doing a work. He is doing a work. He's doing a work. The devil laughs and said, your ministry's gone. Your ability is over. Your usefulness is behind you. All you'll ever be is a pew warmer. But God said, no, I take a valley full of bones that are dry and I make them be able to do anything they've ever done before. Preach like you've never preached before. Sing like you've never sung before. Live like you've never lived before. Worship like you've never worshiped before. Love God like you've never loved before because he said, I'm going to do a work in a valley of bones. The devil walks around this building crumbling leaves and watching the pieces fall. Upon your pew. Sit on that pew as long as you want, sir. Sit on that pew as long as you want, ma'am. You'll never be what you were meant to be. Look what I've done to you. <laughs> but the Lord's coming behind. Can I have just another couple of moments? Moments? Let me tell you something, contrary to popular thinking and modern pop Christianity, you're not just going to juke and jive your way back to restoration. You're not just going to swing your hips to the latest worship song and suddenly be restored. 
You can leave church and come back in, leave church and come back in. As long as you can dance to the beat, you feel good about it. Let me tell you what, let me tell you what restoration and revival looks like. It involves a man of God. If you got a problem with the man of God, you'll never be revived. Ezekiel said, I didn't get there because I wanted to go, because I thought to go, but because God sent me and God put me right in the middle of the mess. If there's a preacher in your life, it's because it is the greatest gift God could give you outside of the Holy Ghost is a preacher that he says. Hear me today. Because God putting a preacher in the middle of your mess, you say, well, I'm embarrassed because Brother Jordan and the other ministers, they know my, for, my uh, shortcomings and my, uh, you know, all, all that I am and where I've been. But here's, here's the beautiful thing about it. Amen. It's not up to the preacher, but it's the fact that God put the preacher in your mess. You see, ah, we got we to gotta take his stuff down to the barest level. The fact that the preacher showed up was the... Uh, it was the it was the light switch turning on. It was the factor that God was saying, "I'm about to do something with your mess." Yeah, there's a place in the Bible, and the preacher showed up, and and the man said, "Oh, my enemy has come." No, 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 no. The preacher is never your enemy. He's the enemy to the spirit that's tormenting your life and troubling your existence. But the preacher is never your enemy. The preacher is the greatest gift of mercy and grace because God will never put a preacher in a place he doesn't intend to revive. You, you're not getting it because some of you are only sitting here in this place you are in because you don't think you can ever become again. But the fact that God sends you a preacher is the sign to tell you that restoration is not only possible, but it's on the menu that God has come to perform it. And so a preacher is the greatest sign that God's not going to leave me this way. I wish some Somebody would come to their senses and realize that if God's put a preacher in my life, he's not leaving me where I am. And there is hope for my life, for my marriage, for my family, for our existence. There's hope for you. There's hope for you. I wish I was able to fully communicate what I'm feeling tonight the first thing God did Ezekiel I love it he's not so some people are so spiritual you know God I walked with God and he Ezekiel's kind of cool I don't know how I got there God just dropped me in the middle of this it's not about him I know the preacher in your life here tonight of what God is trying to do. Stop believing the lie of the devil that he thinks it's about him, them, and what they're trying to do. The only reason that any preacher worth their weight is in the middle of a church is because they want to see your life and mine revived. We're on the same team. We're on the same side. We're working for the same goal. And thank God he put us together. 
dropped a preacher in his midst, their midst. And preachers, just being honest, I don't know. And so here's what's cool about it. The Lord told the preacher to prophesy to the bones. Now, we, we, we live in a time of tabloid Christianity. Everybody wants to have this super hyper spirituality. I don't need your mantle. I don't need your blessing. I don't need your covering. I don't need whatever. All I need is to be obedient to the voice of God. Just be obedient to the voice of God. God said, prophesy. Well, I want to be a prophet. You know what the word prophesy means? To speak under inspiration. Don't you think that's what your pastor does every time he gets a hold of this microphone? Speaks under the inspiration of God. I don't know. I'll call you Prophet Jordan if you'd like. I'm cool with that. But the reality is to prophesy is to speak under the inspiration of God's Spirit. So, uh, uh, the, the, the song leaders and the direction of this service was led by people tonight who were speaking under the inspiration of God's Spirit. Amen. He did not have to know what was going to happen. He did not have to know what was capable of happening. I love that because I'm not so spiritual that I can see your mess coming together, but I trust that if God put me in the middle of your mess and tells me to speak to you, something's going to happen. He's going to put his words in my mouth, and something's going to happen in that transmission. And so I honestly believe that just as the Bible says he began to speak and there was a noise because the clattering of those bones, there may have been a hip bone that was separated from the leg bone, but somehow by the power of the word, hallelujah, the word of God is powerful enough to address your lostness and your confusion. You might be confused about your gender. You might be confused about your mate. You might be confused about your future and the will of God in your life, but confusion has an antidote, and it's called the word of God, for the word of God is forever settled. There is no... Jesus, help me today. And the Word of God is the antidote for the chaos. That's why David would say, order my steps in your Word, O God. And so tonight, amen, the answer that you and I have need of is found in the preached and taught and anointed Word of God. I was hoping you was going to bring a faith healer out and they'd say some incantation and you know, no, that's not all you need. All you need is the Word of God preached, spoken, delivered under inspiration. God says say and the man of God does and something happens in the Word of God. Let me tell you something. I, I don't have time to go into it, but just trust me on this. Something has already happened in this place in your spirit. If you will open your heart up with receptivity, amen, just the preach word has began to infuse something in you. Amen. It's not me and it's not my voice, but it is the word of God that has been spoken, has begun to move into your very innermost being and, and begin to work in your spirit and work in your heart and work in your 
your mind and work in your thoughts. And the Word of God is capable. Amen. And so the prophet was instructed, speak my words. Speak what I tell you. The Lord said, I will put my words in your mouth. Amen. And so it is the prophet did that very thing. And there was a clattering and a coming together. And there was the bodies that stood. Amen. Amen. But, but, but the bodies standing by themselves. The Bible says there was something lacking. God wants more than a full church. He wants a church full of the Spirit. Uh-huh. And so just because there were bodies didn't mean that everybody had the spirit they needed. And so he said, now I want you to speak to the wind. The four winds from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Prophesy, O man of God, to the winds. And the Bible said... Brother Jordan, we don't have to understand it. All we have to do is be obedient to it. And he began to prophesy to the wind. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what's about to happen. But here's what I do know. Amen. That the, the wind began to blow and it breathed into them and they became alive and living beings. How many of you understand that the breath and the wind are the same word, but they are also the same word as the Spirit. And so when God looked at the lifeless form of Adam and breathed into him the breath of life. He breathed into him the spirit. Amen. We know that Adam sinned and suffered the consequences of death, yet his form continued to live for some time. But what happened to him? His spirit, the God part of his spirit died. But aren't you thankful that as they were gathered together on the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. The wind, the spirit. Amen. It's the same. And that spirit filled the place that they were in. And there were cloven tongues that appeared upon each and every one of them. Here's what I know. The spirit of God that blew into Adam has blown on the Pentecost is blowing into this house. The house is full. The only thing that's left, will you let it come to where you're standing? For the Bible says once the house was full, then individually they began to receive. you got to let it happen. The Spirit's here. The Word is here. But will you let it reach you? Standing with me, the music's coming all over this house. I don't think it's a lack of desire or want to. But I believe that we can become sincerely convinced that we will never be anything for God again. And all I will ever be is just a warm body in the church. Sir, ma'am, the blood of Calvary was shed for so much more than for you to simply exist and call yourself a Christian. But what he did for us and gave freely unto us, and what he's wanting to do tonight, individually, is to restore to such an extent. Oh, I know he'll save me. I got news for you. Going to heaven and getting there is the entry level. That's great and grand. We all want to miss hell, don't we? But God wants to do something for you now in this life. There's another element of this that 
we're forgetting because sometimes we make it all about us. If you remember, Ezekiel's vision of bones was simply an illustration of what he had already said he was going to do. He said, I'm going to make this desolate place. I, I wish I had the time to tell you how they sowed ashes and all these things and salt into the ground. They said, this place will never produce again. This will never have a harvest of plants and crops. These buildings will never exist. They reached into the ashes and pulled out rubble, and they built new temples out of the rubble. Solomon put together a temple with fitted stones that were so expertly cut, amen, that, 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 that they didn't have to use a hammer or saw in the proximity of the building. But when they built the new temple, they put it together with pieces that had been burned and broken and brittle. But they said, there's enough here that we can build a place for God to dwell. God does amazing things with brokenness. And it was this broken land, it was this wounded land, it was this desolate land that God said, I'm going to cause it, oh, well, maybe you can grow a few crops. You could have a couple gardens. I'll let you plant just enough for you to live in poverty. I'm going to remind you forever how bad you messed up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it so thorny, you're going to get cut every time you reach for a tomato. You're going to remember you messed up and disappointed me. That's how we're living. Barely getting by. God said, I'm going to turn this place into the Garden of Eden itself. He said, because there's a whole lot of people around that's going to be watching. What will God do with his people that disobeyed and got chastised and taken out and rebuked and left? He's going to bring it back. And he said, I'm going to make it better than it was before. He said, because people are watching. See, the thing we forget about this in our misery is that we're not alone. There's somebody that's been broken just like you. <laughs> And God's not willing to allow you to sit on a pew saved but just broken and shattered and incapable and barely surviving. God wants you to thrive because there's somebody that is watching you that says if God can heal their spirit and heal their marriage and heal their mind and heal their finances and heal their life, maybe he can heal mine. The Lord said that the heathen that are left around about shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that which was desolate. I have spoken it and I will do it. I'm asking you to respond not to a person, not to a man, to a particular preacher. I'm asking, would you respond to the Word of God? Would you respond to God? Because I know God sent me here to tell somebody, you don't have to live the way you're living. You don't have to live the former shell of your, the shell of your former glory and ability and, and what God called you to do. Is there anybody? You say, Brother Reading, I don't want to walk to the front. Anybody will know. We're all broken. 
We're all broken. We all need an altar. But don't let your shame keep you from the miracle that God has you in the middle of. I'd be the first one out of my pew walking to the front of this house saying, hey, if anybody needs to know, it was me he's talking to because I'm in the middle of a miracle and I'm not going to be what I've been anymore because I'm going to a place I've never been before. He's on the other side and he's bringing me through and he's bringing me out. Watch me and you'll see that what God has done for me, he can do for you. Come on. There's somebody that needs to be in this altar right now with your hands lifted up and your face. Forget what anybody thinks about it. Forget what anybody feels about it. Come put your heart on the altar. Climb on the altar before your God. I need a miracle tonight in this place. In this place Let's respond to the word tonight. Oh 